Okay, I'd like you to just to listen. We're not gonna, I'm not going to have you follow along. Just listen to this scripture to start with, please, before we pray. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you. I will honor you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. I follow close behind you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Isn't that great? Do we have that heart for God? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I lie awake thinking about you. Uh, I lie awake thinking about going out to dinner tomorrow night. And I lie awake thinking about what I'm going to do on my vacation next week. I lie awake. You satisfy me like the richest of foods. Those are, those are wonderful words. That's the heart that God wants us to have for him. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that you would create in us such hearts. Hearts that can't be satisfied like you can satisfy. Father, nights that we lie awake just thinking about you and, and, and loving you and, and wanting you, God, create in us such hearts uh, for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before I forget, tonight at 6 o'clock, there will be a prayer communion time. So 6 o'clock here tonight. It's the last uh, Sunday night of the month. So if you'd like to be a part of that, 6 o'clock. Yesterday morning, my wife and I repeated our infamous bicycle ride of two weeks ago. A beautiful eight-mile trip, um, much of it along Tracyton Beach Boulevard, ending and then heading up uh, a hill, ending our house. Two weeks ago, for those of you that don't know, the, our bicycle ride ended um, abruptly when I couldn't conti- continue because of intense chest pain and had to be taken by an ambulance to the hospital. Uh, The next day, receiving a stent in my LAD artery. The LAD artery is the left anterior descending artery. 
supplies 45 to 55% of the blood to the left ventricle of the heart. I'm, I've learned a lot about the heart in the last couple of weeks. Um, the cause of it, like the cause of all heart disease, which now they're calling my heart, is because of plaque buildup in the arteries. And my LED artery was 80% blocked. Um, so two weeks ago today, uh, exactly the same time the church service was happening, I was having an angiogram, and then they put the stent in my artery. It was wonderful yesterday as we rode the route, and I pushed it after two weeks of walking and building up my strength. Um, and I, for the first time in over 10 years, had no pain in my heart. Um, uh, while, while exercising, um, it was wonderful. Um, it was really wonderful. For 10 years, we thought it was indigestion. <laughs> Because over 10 years ago, I had a stress test, a, a treadmill test on my heart with a cardiologist uh, because of, I mean, it's just typical heart pain. It's just only my left side going down in my left arm. And because of that pain, I had a treadmill, and they declared my heart as in perfect shape And um, until two weeks ago. But because of what I've been through in the last two weeks, it's caused my heart to be quite the focus of our attention, as you can imagine. Um, it's resulted in us evaluating our diet and rethinking exercise. And at the same time, it's made me think a lot more about my spiritual heart. And um, so maybe it's out of sentimentality. I don't know. I'm going to talk about the heart this morning um, because of just a lot of pondering over the last two weeks. So to get us going in that direction, I'd like you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4 in the book, meaning this one, it's page 642. Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 20 through 27. Okay, would you stand with me? And we're going to read this together, and this is the passage that we're going to look at among other scriptures this morning. Proverbs 4, starting at verse 20. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. For they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you, mark out a straight path for your feet, 
and then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You may sit down. It's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it, right there? Guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. I mean, literally what it says is, guard your heart, for from it spring the well springs of life, meaning all of life, and as I've come to understand, physically and spiritually, finds its center in the heart. Guard your hearts. And so what we're going to do this morning, just briefly, is I'm going to answer two questions as, as, as we look at this passage. Number one, why should we guard our hearts? And number two, how do we guard our hearts? Um, to get us going, I want, to, I want to just get you to understand a little bit about the heart and how the physical heart really is exactly what it says here. This is from a National Geographic article, and it's, it's very interesting. Just very briefly, it says, because the heart lies at the center of the blood delivery system, it is central to life. Okay, this is the National Geographic. It's interesting because this isn't in the National Geographic. This is Dave's added. It's interesting in the Bible that it says that the life is in the blood. And so here in this article it says, because the heart lies at the center of the blood delivery system, it is central to life. The heart, the size of a clenched fist, beating an average of 100,000 times a day. Isn't that amazing? Can can you imagine any man-made machine beating 100,000 times a day, how long it would last before it breaks down? (laughs) 100,000 times a day, 40 million times in an average year, okay? 40 million times a year. The heart pumps the blood that supplies oxygen from the lungs to the other organs and tissues, removes the carbon dioxide to the lungs where it is breathed out. The blood distributes nourishment from the digestive system and hormones from the glands, The immune system cells travel through the blood, seeking out infection and eliminating it. And the blood takes body waste products to the liver and kidneys to be sorted out and trashed. In other words, the heart is at the center of life. Oxygen, digestion, delivering of nourishment, elimination, taking care of infection, that's our hearts. It sounds like a good reason to take care of our physical hearts, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the spiritual heart is no less central. Think about just a couple of verses I'm going to quote for you. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says that God doesn't look on the outward appearance like man looks, and that's so often how we look, isn't it? I mean, we evaluate people according to how tall they are, how rich they are, how educated they are. God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but it says God looks on the heart, the heart. In Matthew 12, 3, it says that whatever is in our hearts determines what we say. 
in the New American Standard, it says, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Kind of makes us wonder, yeah, why we say what we say? It shows, it says in Matthew 12, 34, what's in our hearts. I think that's why it says in Psalm 37, 4, that we are to delight in the Lord and he will give us, what does it say? The desires of our hearts. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of our hearts, meaning he will put within us as we delight in him, his desires. Get that? That his desires will become our desires as we delight in him. And so it says in Acts 13.30, excuse me, Acts 13.22, that David was a man after God's own heart because he, will, he did everything that God wanted him to do. And that's really kind of, for lack of a better word, the heart of what I want to put across this morning is that we would become, we would want to have hearts that would be after God's heart. And what does that mean? That we would have desires that were after God's desires. And that's really what it's saying when it says the heart affects everything we do. The heart from, flow, from it flow the wellspring of life because the heart is, it's, it's about what really motivates us and drives us, those desires, those passions. That's our heart, okay? And it sounds like a good reason to take care of our spiritual hearts also. And yet the figures show that we don't. You know that 29% of male and females in the United States of America who die, die from heart disease. Some 700,000 people a year die from heart disease in the United States of America. It sounds like a lot of us are doing a very good job taking care of our hearts. I was glad to hear that you weren't smoking anymore. I went over, like I said, 10 plus years thinking that my heart wasn't the problem because doctors had told me that. In Jeremiah 17.9, and this is to me one of the most powerful verses in the Bible about the heart, it says that the heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I think that's one. Pardon me? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17.9, I mean, captures, I think, why physically so many people die of heart disease and why so many of us spiritually, our hearts are in such bad shape because it's such a deceptive thing. I mean, so often what we, what, what is a heart problem, like for me, I thought it was indigestion, and then someone ends up with a heart attack. I am so thankful that after... 10 plus years of heart pain, a blocked artery. I didn't have a heart attack. I am so thankful for that. And yet in the same way, I think so often what we think is, oh, we say it's, 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 it's my relationships. You think about it? It's my upbringing. It's my addictions. It's my surroundings. It's everything. It's the deceptiveness of the heart. Because the heart, in its, in its wickedness, wants us to 
plant blame on everything and take care of everything else except the heart itself and its wickedness. So what are we going to do about our hearts? The heart is obviously very central, very important. Our physical hearts and our spiritual hearts, it affects everything we do. Our actions, our attitudes, our words, what are we going to do about it? How do we guard our hearts? That's what we're going to look about the rest of the time. How do we guard our hearts? You know, when I was in the hospital, it was repeated to me, it had to be dozens of times, by every doctor that came, by every RN that came in, every CNA that came in, the factors that cause heart disease. Um, I probably should have it memorized because it was said so many times, but here they are. Smoking. If you care about your heart, just for your heart's sake, quit smoking. Bad eating. (laughs) Reminds me of John walking out of the house yesterday and saying, I'm going to go and get myself some greasy, fatty food. And and, And as a good brother, I tried to warn him, but like me, prior to two weeks ago, Fatty foods, high cholesterol foods, leads to heart disease. Buildup of plaque in the arteries that restrict the arteries and lead to heart disease, heart attacks. Lack of exercise. Oh, man. There's some of you here that need to exercise more. I know that doesn't sound... I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but... It's certainly important, isn't it, to take care of our bodies? Lack of exercise? Stress? Old age? Not much you can do about that. Um, And heredity. Those are the factors that lead to heart disease. Some are obviously preventable and some aren't. I mean, you can't stop getting old. You can, but the alternative is you might as well just have a heart attack, right? You can't stop getting old. You can't do anything about your heredity. But there are things we can do to take care of our hearts, and we should, because these bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible describes them as. Well, unfortunately, in my case, even though I had limited my intake of donuts down to a dozen a day (laughs) and was exercising at least once a year. And I had cut down my smoking tremendously. No, I've never smoked. (laughs) uh, My grandfather and my mother passed on to me bad heredity. And the doctors have made it really clear that we're supposed to make it really clear to our children (laughs) that they also now have a bad heredity. (laughs) And so they need to do what they can because of that heredity. So we've switched to fat-free mayo. It's not that bad. (laughs) Fat-free yogurt. (laughs) What's that? Fat-free, fat-free ice cream. I, I, I want to let you know that there's some amazing, is it dryers? Dryers, fat-free 
vanilla ice cream that tastes as good as any ice cream you've ever had. I know that because I've had it about every night of the week as a treat. <laughs> um, but besides that, one of the biggest disappointments for me in learning to guard my heart was I had never yet tried the double down at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And now my conscience won't, let me, won't allow me to do it. <laughs> at least with my wife with me. <laughs> okay, so what do we do to guard our hearts? How do we take care of our spiritual hearts as I'm being very careful to take care of my physical heart now, and I encourage you to do. How do we take care of our spiritual hearts? Number one, I'm just going to say one thing to, to share with the start, and then we're going to just look for a few more minutes at Proverbs chapter 4. The first way we take care of our spiritual hearts, and I want you to listen to this really carefully, it's by recognizing that we all, and this we get this from Jeremiah 17.9 and, and tons of verses in the Bible by recognizing that we all have hereditary heart disease. Hereditary heart disease. Every one of us needs heart surgery, spiritual heart surgery. Way back in the book of Genesis, it starts, there's, there's a verse just before the flood and a verse just after the flood, and I'll quote them. In Genesis 6, 5, it says, Every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil all the time. Isn't that an amazing verse? Every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil all the time. That's a description of the world before the flood. And then you think, wow, well, the flood took care of that. But immediately after the flood, Genesis 8.21 says, Every inclination of man's heart is evil from childhood. That's our hearts. Most deceitful and desperately wicked, we all have hereditary heart disease. Our hearts aren't the way they are because of our environment, our upbringings, our chemical makeup. Our hearts are what they are because of our heredity. It goes way back to a man and a woman called Adam and Eve. And the spiritual heredity that was passed on from them. So how can we, as people with that kind of heredity, spiritual heredity, stand before a holy God who demands purity of heart? In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, it is the pure in heart that will see God. And in 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are wholly His, completely His. How can we have such hearts? Well, there are four ways to treat a physical heart disease. The first is what I had. It's the, less, the least intrusive and... I had it on two Sundays ago today, and I was out two Mondays ago tomorrow. Amazing. It's a stent. It's a little wire mesh tube that they put into your artery. They expand it with a balloon, and then they slip this little wire mesh tube, and it holds it open, and it 
releases that blockage so there's no more blockage. And I can tell there's no more pain. Um, it was amazing to watch it all on TV right there the whole time. I watched it on a TV that wasn't any farther away than that picture. All happening right here in my heart. It's great. The first is the least intrusive is a stent. The second is bypass surgery. That's where they actually open you up and they take an artery or a vein out of like your leg and then they bypass because it's so blocked they can't put a stent in it. That's bypass surgery. It's much more serious. Uh, my mom has had that. Um, the third is when neither one of the first two will work, it's heart transplant, um, which is becoming much more common today. There's four hours in which a person who dies has donated their heart, four hours in which that beating heart can be taken out of that person and put in and transplanted into a person who needs a heart. Because there's such a huge waiting list for people waiting for hearts because of all of those people out there smoking, eating fatty cholesterol foods, you know, not exercising. There's such a long waiting list for people who need hearts that they've come up with, and the fourth option is an artificial heart. But it's only temporary. And to hold a person because it's waiting for a natural heart transplant or because they're old and they're not expected to live that much longer anyway. How do you take care of spiritual heart disease? Well, because it's, heredit it's hereditary and so serious, there's only one option, according to the Bible. A stent won't do, bypass surgery won't do. It's got to be an immediate heart transplant. Look with me. Actually, we're going to come back to Proverbs. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 10. It describes it really well here. Hebrews chapter 10. I mean, the bottom line is, if you're here this morning and you've got spiritual heart disease and, that, and you have a heart that is most deceitful and as the Bible described in Jeremiah 79, desperately wicked, what you need is a new heart. You need a heart transplant. It's why Jesus said as he passed at the Last Supper, as he was with his, uh, you know, that famous picture, the Last Supper, and where Jesus was with his disciples and he, was, he passed the wine to his disciples, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of many sins. And that's what he was talking about. What he was talking about, we see in Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 11. Hebrews 10, 11. It says, under the old covenant, and this is the law, it says the priest stands before the altar day after day offering sacrifices that can never take away sins. That was the law, the old covenant. But our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as one sacrifice for sins Good for all time. That's what happened on the cross. That's why he went to the cross. Then he sat down at the place of highest honor at God's right hand. There he awaits until his enemies are humbled as a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he perfected, and we could say perfected the hearts of those forever whom he is making holy. Verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also testifies 
that this is so because first he says, and this is from Jeremiah, this is the new covenant I will make through Jesus on the cross, his shed blood. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. No more external law that they need to try and obey, but God will actually put his law in their hearts. In another place, in Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 38 to 40, it says he will actually give us new hearts, a heart transplant, implant within us new hearts so they will understand. I will write my law on their minds. They will obey them. And then he adds, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds anymore because they're taken care of on the cross in Christ through the new covenant, a heart transplant. How do we take care of our spiritual hearts? The only way they can be taken care of is through faith in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. What he accomplished as he hung there and he said, it is finished, paid in full. Your diseased, spiritually sin-diseased hearts are paid for. I will give you a new heart. Isn't that wonderful? A heart transplant. And in reality, the heart that we're getting is whose heart? It's God's heart. That's, that's what we're getting. We're getting God's heart. We're getting, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God the Father made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us, to take our sin disease heart upon himself on the cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took our sin diseased heart on the cross. He paid for it and gave us his righteousness, his righteous heart. Isn't that beautiful? That's the first thing. By recognizing that we all have hereditary heart disease, that everyone needs a heart transplant, heart surgery, we need God's heart through what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that's and we get that heart transplant simply by accepting it by faith. By admitting our heart condition and Christ's solution on the cross for us. So, assuming we've done that, and that's the starting point. That's the starting point. And that's, in a physical way, what happened to me two weeks ago. Two weeks ago today, I had heart surgery. The least intrusive kind. I had a stent put on to take care of my heart disease. But that doesn't mean it's all done and over with, right? That means now I've got to do something to take care of it. My physical heart, I have to keep, I have to watch my diet. I have to exercise. I have to resist the urge to smoke. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So that I can guard my physical heart and keep it healthy. How do we do that with our spiritual hearts? Would you flip back, and we're just going to end by looking just really quickly at five things, and this is going to be quick, five things and five ways from these verses, I believe, we're to guard our, our spiritual hearts. Thank you, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4.20. 
That means that I got it from my parents. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning I have blue eyes because my parents had blue eyes. I had bad heart because my, yeah. It runs in the family. In the family. Thank you. How do we guard our spiritual hearts? Now, just before we look at these, I want you to remember back to Psalm 63 that I started with. Because that's the hearts, that's the hearts that we want to have. I hope it's the hearts that we want to have. A heart that lays awake thinking about him instead of donuts. Yeah. That lies awake thinking about him instead of all that money I'm going to make. Or that new toy I'm going to get. I'm not saying that's bad to think about those things, but, but how much better that our hearts would be captured by him who alone can really satisfy us. How can we have those hearts? Starting at verse 20. Again, the first thing I want us to see, notice what it says. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. The first thing I get as I look at these words is that it's hard work. How do we guard our hearts? We've got to accept the fact that it's hard work. We've got to put hard work into it. I tell you, it's not going to be easy when I'm out with some of you and you're wanting to chow into a quarter pounder greasy burger. It's not going to be easy for me. It's hard work. It's going to be hard work to be healthy. But it's worth it. Unless we lose sight of that. And that's what it's hard work to keep before us. What's really important and that our, and that our heart affects everything we do. And to remember that the reason our lives can get so messed up and so skewed and so distorted is it's because of our hearts. It's because of our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts but it's going to be hard work and we've got to be committed to that hard work, to listen, to listening carefully and paying attention and taking pains with these things as Paul told his spiritual son Timothy, disciplining himself for the sake of his relationship with God. The second thing is, notice as it goes on, it says, let them penetrate deep within your heart. It's a deep work. If you're wanting to live a shallow, superficial life, happy-go-lucky, not really pay attention, you know, just live and let live, whatever happens, happens, then then this isn't for you. And I'm afraid you're just going to experience in your life the consequences of spiritual and physical heart disease. You're going to always wonder, why is my life so unsatisfied? Why... Why are others happy? Why, am I, why do I have that gnawing emptiness? Why? It's because you're, you don't really want to do the hard work, the deep work that it takes, a heart work, to really know the satisfaction and the joy of God. Of God. The third thing, like I said, I'm just going to kind of go through these quickly. As it goes on, it says, Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. And then notice it switches in verse 24 to talk. And 
You might, why? It says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay far from corrupt speech. You might ask why, but I think the third reason, as it tells us on how we guard our hearts, is because remember what it said in Matthew twelve thirty four. It says, out of the heart, I mean, excuse me, it says the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And not only do we need to recognize that it's a hard work and it's a deep work, but it, it has to do with our words. And in guarding our hearts, I guess what I'd say simply as we look at this is watch your words, pay attention to your words, because, because they expose your heart. You understand what I'm saying? If the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart and we want to guard our hearts, then pay attention to our words. What, what you're saying and how you're saying it. I mean, the, 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 the harshness. The rudeness, the deceptiveness, the hypocriticalness of our words, the shallowness of our words, pay attention to them because they reveal to you your heart disease and your need of paying attention to your heart. If you've got words coming out of your mouth that aren't gracious words, kind words, gentle words, loving words, then something's wrong with your heart. Our words we need to pay attention to. They're a a barometer of our heart. Notice as it keeps going, verse 25, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. The fourth thing I put down here as I think about how do I guard my heart, it's a single-mindedness. It's not going to work for me in taking care of my spiritual heart if I don't go about this very single-minded. And thankfully, I have a wonderful wife who's very single-minded with me about this and, and has already discovered as she's checked out books from the library on low-fat cooking and low-cholesterol eating and, and encouraged me to exercise. I mean, it's a single-mindedness that's going to lead to a healthy physical heart and a single-mindedness that's going to lead to a healthy spiritual heart. I mean, there are so many distractions around us, aren't there? I mean, the own, our own deceptive hearts and all those desires that well up, you know, making us think, oh, that's not that big a deal. It's okay to watch that. It's okay to go there. And everybody else and everything else distracting us around us, saying, oh, Come on, do it. It's not that big a deal. I mean, come on, Dave. What's one donut? Single-mindedness. Our eyes fixed ahead of us in order that we might have hearts that are holy after God. His desires, our desires. Well, how is that going to happen? The last thing, number five, as we go back up to the beginning of verse 20, It's being people who stay in the word, people who spend time in this book. Notice what it says in verse 20. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your hearts. We've got to be people of the book. If we want God's desires to be our desires, then God's words have got to become our words. God's truth has got to become our truth. We've got such deceptive hearts. It's not going to come just through good ideas that we happen to come up with. 
in discussion with other people. It's going to become as we spend time in God's word, learning God's truth that changes our hearts. Hard work, deep work, watching our words, single-minded people of the book. Just, just to end with, I just want to remember a guy in the Old Testament, Solomon. He had just become king of Israel, and he was in prayer in the temple, and God made him an offer that any one of us would love. God said, Solomon, ask me anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Kind of like a genie in a bottle, you know? Solomon, anything you want, I will give it to you. Wealth, power, what do you want? What would you want? What would you ask for? I don't want, I don't want you to tell me. What would we ask for? What we ask for kind of would reveal our hearts, wouldn't it? And it revealed Solomon's heart to be a man after God's own heart. Do you know what Solomon asked for? He asked for a listening heart. A listening heart. It's translated, it's translated in the Old Testament, wisdom. But literally, what it is, is a listening heart. That's what Solomon wanted. He wanted just to have a heart that listened to God, that heard God, because then what God wanted, he would want. What God desired, he would desire. And that's what I asked for us. That's what I want for, that's what I want for me, is just a heart like that, that hungers after God, that listens to God. Let's guard our hearts. Because from them, physically and spiritually, flow life affecting everything else. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word that doesn't leave us ignorant, that teaches us and leads us into the truth so that we can have hearts that are whole and healthy, vibrating with life and joy and satisfaction. God, give us such hearts. Give us a hunger to have such hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.